Let's begin by finding a comfortable posture, taking three deep breaths, settling our body, speech and mind in its natural state, finding that relaxation with each out breath, releasing our concerns, any points of tightness in the body. If you can keep your spine straight, that's good. If not, just find a comfortable way to relax. And continue with each out breath releasing physical, mental and emotional tension. Scan your body from top to bottom and remember to release any tightness you find in this during this scanning. Now contact with whatever is happening in the present around you, sounds, sensations thoughts, any perceptions arising in your present experience and without grasping allow them to be there, acknowledge you're aware of them and let them pass and dissolve at their own accord without rejecting, without grasping to any appearances. Just use them as a way to bring your attention to the present moment, connecting deeper with your body, with sensations, perceptions of the five physical senses that are in your experience right now. Continue relaxing with each other. Let's spend a few minutes doing some shamatha practice. You can choose either focusing on your breath or focusing on the space of the mind and mental events or simply being aware of being aware, resting in the present, in the experience of being aware. Remember, we're cultivating relaxation, stability, and clarity. Apply the antidotes if you notice that you are very discursive, distracted, anxious. Apply the antidote by relaxing and letting go. If you feel you are drowsy with lack of clarity, experiencing laxity, then increase the vividness by focusing more strongly 
your meditative object or in awareness itself, shamatha without an object. And let's do this for a few more minutes. And now in order to get our motivation in place and the direction in which we want to orient our minds, let's reflect for a moment in the precious human life, this great opportunity we have to have freedom, time, and have our faculties working so that we can spend time practicing meditation, reflecting on these topics, and going deeper into our understanding of reality. Just feel grateful for a moment of having this precious life of opportunity. Now reflect on impermanence and death, knowing that this opportunity can end anytime. It's certain that we are going to die, that everything is changing moment by moment, and we don't know how long this life will last or this opportunity we have right now, this freedom we have. So take a moment just to appreciate it. If there are problems in your life, just also be grateful that everything is impermanent and they will eventually go away. Now let's reflect on 
karma, causes and conditions, and become aware of how your present is the result of your past actions and how the future will arise and become manifest independence of the causes and conditions you're cultivating in the present. I feel grateful for a moment to be dedicating time to the cultivation of the causes for genuine happiness. Now reflect on how all sentient beings around us experience the same sufferings as us. Physical suffering, mental suffering, problems and difficulties within conditioned existence and samsara. So generate the wish to cultivate the causes that can free you from suffering, but also connect with empathy with others and wish them to be free too. Feel that motivation of achieving liberation, awakening, enlightenment, and to do it not only for your benefit, but for the benefit of all beings that are also suffering around you. And with all this in mind, let's generate this bodhicitta motivation to do our best to cultivate the path that can lead us to complete awakening and that once we are awake we achieve enlightenment we can benefit countless sentient beings from that moment on So the motivation to do this practice for the relative life of the present, our needs of the present moment, and to help those who are around right now in this life, this family, this environment around you. And with this motivation, clear your mind, let it settle, rest in the present, Continue releasing with each outbreath any grasping, attachment, aversion. And let's reflect now on the eight worldly concerns and how these are the distractions to practicing Dharma and transforming our minds. We're going to examine four pairs of worldly concerns and how these operate in our lives. So, begin by making some specific examples of each type 
of attachment and each type of aversion. And ask yourself if this make you happy or confused, if this help you to grow or do they keep you in prison? Also, we are going to reflect in that the greater the attachment to something, the greater the aversion when you don't get it or are separated from it. And we will reflect on the antidotes we can apply to attachment and anger in order to transform those attitudes. So the first one is attachment to receiving material possessions and aversion to not receiving them or not being able to keep them. The aversion of being separated from them. So take a moment to reflect in your life on which material possessions to which ones you are attached to or which ones you have and you fear losing them or being separated from. Think how this concern with accumulating possessions has bring you suffering in your life. What things you've done in order to get all these things or protect them or how much suffering you have experienced when these things are broken or stolen or for some reason you can't get them. And reflect, do these things really bring you lasting happiness or is a lot of work to get them, to maintain them to protect them, to keep them. You can include any material possessions here. You can also reflect on past events or moments where you were attached to something that you're not attached to now. Just reflect on how this Strong attachment and aversion to material possessions is what makes us experience suffering. It's not really the objects per se, but how we relate to them. So take a moment to reflect on how this has played in your life until now.
Now think of antidotes you can apply whenever this attachment and anger arises in your experience. Next time you experience this attachment to material possessions or aversion to losing them or not being able to get them or when somebody else gets them instead of you. What antidotes can you apply in those moments? Or if you're experiencing one right now in your life, what antidote can help you? reflect on the attachment to praise or approval and the aversion to blame or disapproval. How this has played in your life, how many times you've reacted with attachment when someone praised you or approved you, and how many times you reacted with anger, with aversion, when someone blamed you or disapproved of you. Think for a moment in how this attachment to praise and rejection has bring you suffering. specific examples to your mind from your life and ask yourself if this made you happy or confused pursuing this praised and fearing blame or disapproval and think of antidotes you can apply to this attachment and anger related with praise and this aversion to blame, what antidotes can you apply in order to transform those attitudes?
Now let's reflect on the attachment to a good reputation, having a good image, and others thinking well of you, an aversion to having a bad reputation. How this pair of worldly concerns has affected you in your life, and what are the things you have done or continue doing in order to create that good reputation, that good image, and what things and how much effort you put into not experiencing a bad image or a bad reputation in your community, in the world. And see if this is realistic, if this is something you can control, if this acting dominated by this attachment and aversion make you happy or confused. And think of the antidotes you can apply to transform those antidotes, those attitudes, sorry. But antidotes you can apply to these attitudes of attachment and aversion to reputation. And lastly, let's reflect on the attachment to pleasures of the five senses, such as attachment to delicious food and restaurants, music or nice sounds and sensations, smells, all the pleasures you can derive from the five senses, senses and the aversion to unpleasant experiences. How do you react when you experience agreeable sensations and perceptions? And how do you react when the experience is unpleasant? Notice when attachment and aversion arises in your experience in the past, in the present. How has this arise in your mind, in your experience, and reflect if this attachment and aversion to pleasure has bring you happiness or suffering, if they keep you imprisoned. Reflect that the greater the attachment to pleasure and the aversion when you don't get it, 
or are separated from it, the greater the suffering. Think of the antidotes you can apply when this attachment and aversion to pleasure arises in your experience. What can you do in order to transform those attitudes? a conclusion, feel that you don't want to continue living your life on automatic and that you want to change the attitudes that cause you to have problems and suffering. The eight worldly concerns dominate our lives. They cause us problems and they make us waste our potential. They are all the time arising. And especially if we only think of the happiness of this life, we get very attached to this. Reflecting on impermanence and death enlarges our perspective and help us set our priorities wisely. This in turn enables us to turn our attention away from their eight or worldly concerns and to focus on more important activities such as cultivating compassion and wisdom, a focused mind, living an ethical life, cultivating the virtues of the heart, and following the path to awakening and enlightenment. So let this reflection settle into your mind, become part of you. Just rest present. Let this understanding, this wish to be more aware of how you relate to these eight worldly concerns become this understanding become as a wisdom that penetrates your mind while you rest for a moment in open awareness without analyzing without visualizing just rest present Thank you.
imagine for a moment that you're completely free of this and you rest in complete equanimity, free of attachment and aversion, with an attitude of radical acceptance in the present moment. Allow yourself to rest there. Let's finish this meditation by dedicating all the potential, all the merit, the wisdom we've generated by doing this practice so that we can be more conscious about how we live our lives and we can orient them in a direction of an ethical way of life that we can be free from attachment, aversion and ignorance and find genuine happiness, fulfillment, and that all of these lead us on the path to awakening and we can achieve our highest potential becoming a Buddha for not only our benefit but for the benefit of all sentient beings that still live dominated by these eight worldly concerns and experiencing suffering that we may be of help to them. And with this in mind, you can also dedicate it to any particular event happening right now in your life or in the world, for the end of the pandemic, for people to be healthy, for people to be happy, and your environment, the world, to a healthy place, to your loved ones, to any cause you want to direct this energy, you can just send it to your mind, to any particular cause you want to direct it. And slowly start moving and coming back to this virtual meeting, stretch your arms, relax a little bit, take a deep breath. So thank you for doing this meditation together. I think um, it's very, very obvious, right? How we engage in these eight worldly concerns, yet we keep doing it. It's like not only we are habituated to, to this, everything around us, in the TV, in the marketing, all the people around us are pursuing these eight worldly concerns because it really appears that happiness comes from that. If I have more pleasures, more money, more possessions, more access to the good things and I can get rid of the bad things, I will be happier, right? 
if people talk well to me, they praise me, they don't criticize me, I'll be happier. Yet, uh, when we sit for a moment and analyze it, we see that happiness is not there. Because why? Because we get very attached. And we also create a lot of rejection and aversion towards anything that doesn't enter into that picture of happiness that we have, right? And we work so hard, everything we do is to try to get these things, but they continuously change or escape one way or another, or we lose them, or we're blamed, we're criticized. We can never get it perfect, right? So we're continuously suffering. But what would happen if we, instead of pursuing those things, or protect them, if we have them already, um, we just don't care. We stop worrying about this, and we focus on our minds, on cultivating equanimity, and a peaceful mind, and focusing on the things that are really important in our spiritual path, then everything changes, right? So that's what we want to achieve. And all these practices, both the non-analytical meditations like the shamatha practice and vipassana and other practices, and the analytical meditations, which also are vipassana, some of them, and other practices, for the heart, for measurables, all these practices are leading us to develop that resilience, that equanimity, that attitude in life where no matter what comes, we accept it and let it go, right? So yeah, sometimes things will look very good. You'll get that job, you'll get that money, you'll get the praise or that respect from others or that nice environment, or you'll have a, uh, the opportunity to eat delicious food and have uh, pleasures, but sometimes not. So when things look very good, you will accept them, you will enjoy them, but without attachment. And when things get on the other extreme, and your environment maybe is presenting like, I don't know, there's a storm, there's no electricity, or you get sick, or people are blaming you, or criticizing you, or you don't get what you want, or somebody stole your money or something, you will remember. You will remember to keep your mind in the center, in this state of equanimity, and acceptance and say, these are all appearances arising in the space of the mind. And so let them arise and pass, right? And not get too hooked with the dramas of our lives. So sometimes like the reaction comes from habitual tendencies, right? Like we immediately react with anger if somebody wants to take something that is very precious to us or if they criticize us, the sense of self arises very strongly and we try to defend. But um, the important thing is to be constantly mindful and noticing, oh, I reacted in this way. Well, I better let it go. There's no point to keep lingering in these obsessive thoughts, worrying about something that happened, right? And so you can always 
keep working on it and transforming it. And that's why we meditate on this so that it becomes fresh and clear and we reflect on next time I can apply this antidote or I can do this in a slightly different way and see what happens, right? So all of this is training. There is a, a question here. It says, can you talk about the antidotes, for example, of attachment to getting things, travel, approval? And um, I see that I always want to fix the environment, how to be confident that things are appearances. Yeah, well, there's many antidotes. Meditating is one of them because we are reflecting and uh, just by knowing how things are, then we are not deceived so easily by reflecting on things that are impermanent, that they are lacking inherent existence, by seeing that they are not true sources of happiness or suffering, that is our mind that is giving them that power, then that's one of the antidotes, right? But in practical terms, it depends on each one of us what attachments we have to which things more than others, right? Some of us focus more on one concern than others. For example, I know people that uh, like studying and getting a good reputation and getting degrees, and that's very important for them, right? Because all their energies focus on that. But then they don't care about other things. Maybe they don't care about their appearance or other things they're not so attached to. But then there's other persons that are very attached to having a beautiful body and buying a lot of uh, products to make their environment pleasurable. And so each one of us has more attachments and aversions to certain things. The important thing is to notice when you're getting attached to one of these eight worldly concerns. And usually, all the time we are attached to one or another, we just trick our minds, right? So if somebody criticizes you or blames you and you feel like it's not fair, you get this sense of anger or self, um, um, like you feel offended, right? In that moment, you can do a reflection, you can do a meditation and well, of course, you have to also be sensitive. Like if it's like if you have a person always rubbing your things or scratching them or throwing them or destroying them or is always criticizing you and treating you bad. Maybe you don't want to live with a person, right? Maybe you want to keep some distance, which is kind of healthy. But if it's like something not so extreme, you can work with it and say, okay, okay, I accept that you praise me today and tell me that I'm perfect and I have all these qualities. But deeply down, I know it's not 100% true and I shouldn't get attached to that because tomorrow, who knows, you might come and criticize me, right? So we have to keep this sense of equanimity and that's the best practice, equanimity, but we not always are able to be there. So we have the practice of compassion, of uh, loving kindness, empathetic joy. Uh, just doing shamatha practice is a great antidote. And then um, trying to check your reactions. Like if, for example, somebody steals something from you, maybe in the moment 
you are in that refractory period where you can't let go like you really are very upset that they took that valuable possession from you but then after a while you say well i'm not going to recover it maybe it's lost forever and then you start kind of calming down and then it's a good opportunity to apply an antidote where you say okay i give it to you i offer it to you as a gift and then i practice detachment generosity letting go and then it becomes a gain for you because you are practicing in that way you're deciding not to keep the resentment and keep lingering in thoughts of hatred and attachment but kind of decide to let it go and once you let it go you feel completely free and this has happened to all of us because you can remember something you were very attached in the past and the moment you decided to stop being attached and let it go whether it was a, an object a person a situation Uh, the moment you really decided, okay, I'm not going to fight with this anymore and let it go, then you felt very free and happier, right? Because what makes us suffer is to keep wanting to control the environment. So just by knowing that you want to fix the environment, that's a first step, right? Just by noticing, oh, I get attached to things, to traveling, to approval, like you just explained, just by knowing that you have an attachment to work with there or an aversion to work with, that's the first step. That's something to rejoice and feel happy about because most people don't know. They think it's justified and more, even more, they think they're really going to find happiness if they achieve all those things. So they're willing to even maybe hurt other people or or do unethical things to get more power, more money, more success, more, more of whatever they think will bring them that lasting happiness. But if you know the lasting happiness is in, not, is in any of those objects, why? Because all of that is impermanent and it doesn't depend on you. It keeps changing, right? So you can't control it. So if you put all your energy there, you're never going to make it last. Even if you get that person, that house, that car, that job, that money, then whatever you want, even if you get it, then comes the problem of sustaining it, maintaining it, keeping it, not uh, letting it deteriorate. It's a lot of energy and work. And in the end, we know, because we know everything is impermanent, in the end, everything will vanish, change, transform. Nothing lasts forever, right? So we have to use this knowledge of impermanence to our advantage and know if something is hurting me now or the things are not as I want, well, this also will change, right? So the more we let go, that's the best antidote. Like just releasing, letting go. Okay, I let go of this. I'm tired of keep fighting, of keep trying to get something or go somewhere or receive this love and appreciation. I'm tired, I let go. The moment you let go, something happens interiorly. You start feeling more free, more happy. So cultivating that deep sense of equanimity and peace and not going to situations and environments that just make you get 
this attachment to these worldly concerns too, right? Like surrounding by people that understand this and that help you in this path and not um, like if you go into situations or environments where you know you're going to get addicted to the experience of attachment to all these things or you're in a circle of people where reputation is very uh, valued then uh, you become a little bit like them right you start competing in that a sense with them or trying to get the same things or trying to be accepted by them and then you're kind of involved in those situations so you have to choose wisely which people you relate with which environments that help you cultivate that sense of equanimity and inner peace what if that happens when you are with the family well it, it usually happens a lot when you are with the family right so Family is um, a place where we can learn a lot, but also you have to uh, have a healthy relationship. Like if your family is kind of manipulating you with praise and criticism and blame and you live in a toxic environment, the best thing you can do is kind of take a little bit of distance and take care of yourself. But also it's nice to have a good family relationship but um but put limits right and so you have to learn how to not get too attached to whatever your family thinks of you or what they tell you but learn to take care of that inner um, being that that inner uh, sense of happiness and wisdom you're developing and so maybe your family starts telling you you're wrong you need to get this you need to achieve that in order for them to value you or to think of you as a person that is worth it well you have to make a decision either you're going to live life to please them or you're going to live life according to what you believe is really meaningful right so sometimes you can really connect deeper and and have that understanding with your family but if you can and your family really wants you to be happy and you want them to be happy then there can be that understanding with respect and acceptance but kind of putting limits i say look i'm not going in that direction i i my life is not for Uh, focusing on these eight worldly concerns. I want to focus on my practice, on my spiritual path, on developing this. And they might understand you if you communicate this in a way that they don't feel threatened, right? So each each case uh, is different and you have to see how, how you deal with these situations in your family. But cultivating equanimity is um, one of the greatest uh, tools and of course not just equanimity that if we know if you practice just equanimity maybe it becomes indifference aloofness and then you just don't care about anybody and you're kind of in your in your world right it's also not going to the extreme that's why we surround these practices with the other practices of loving kindness compassion empathetic joy bodhicitta all these practices help us be connected with others but in a healthy way without getting too attached and also without too much rejection kind of in the middle right so that we can get free and really help them too 
because if we see them, they are addicted to something or attached to work or attached to possessions or pleasures, we can also help them by uh, making them notice how that thing they're attached to is not bringing them lasting happiness, it's bringing them more suffering than happiness, right? So if we cultivate ourselves and we learn to be happy ourselves, then we can be also of more benefit to others and not part of the same um, drama that we live with our with our families in our environments, right? So I don't know if um, anybody else has questions or comments. Um, I was wondering in terms, what's really, what I find difficult is when you get um, criticized not to feel angry when when the criticism is not justified as far as you're concerned um then you know this kind of feeling of being treated unfairly and you know there's anger and resentment that comes with that and that's quite difficult to to deal with i think that i find that quite tricky you know because there's a sense of this is not right this is not you know i think it's perfectly normal that we feel mm -hmm. that especially when we are treated unjustly uh, i don't know if you mm. say that way. Unjust, yeah. mm. so if somebody tells you something and you say, well, there's no reason for they, they to treat me this way or tell me this thing, right? Of course, there's a sense of like kind of anger or just being upset by it, like feeling disappointed or feeling sad that they told you that thing, right? But, and that's not wrong. Like we're not trying to block emotions because there's this idea, oh, you meditate, you practice Buddhism, then you have to be with a smile and never get angry. That's kind of unrealistic, right? Because emotions keep arising. The thing is what you do with them. So mm -hmm. if you have that energy of anger or, or being upset, you can look into that energy and work with it so that you see the clarity that comes with that emotion. That's one thing you do first with the emotion, right? And then on the other hand, is like being very honest with you and say, why are they telling me this, right? Can I do something about it? Can, are they right in some way or not? They're totally just doing it because they want to bother me or they want to um, disapprove of me or whatever they have in their perception and their minds, right? So once you come to that conclusion, what you can uh, see and do for yourself is I'm not going to be entangled because also like people throw you kind of hooks to see if you react especially with the family they push all your buttons to because they want you to react right so you can make a conscious choice to kind of tell them i don't think this is fair what you're telling me put kind of a boundary and said i don't accept this but then take your distance and see how much do i need to put myself in a situation where people 
tell me all these things, right? And what what can I do in order to to not be kind of interacting in this way with these people? Like if it's your close family and you have to see them, then you need to work around this and kind of when you're calm, talk to them and say, hey, why don't instead of criticizing us, we tell each other um, things we feel can improve our relationship or the thing um, that is that we are discussing. But we can do it from harmony, from respect and not by blaming or criticizing. So you can try to communicate how you feel and listen to the other person and try to communicate that that way they expressed to you was not helpful for you. So in that way, the anger that arises in the moment is not really, you're not keeping it as a resentment and desire of revenge, but is you're using that force, that energy to kind of transform the situation. Now, if it's something that like you're with people that they just want to make you angry and they really don't have any interest or having a, a harmony with you, then you have to see why do I need to be near these people? And then you might discover there's another of these uh, mundane concerns that is below the surface, right? Maybe you don't want to interact with these people that are offending you, but you're very attached to, I don't know, to going to that place because you need something from there, right? You need to interact with these people because you are attached to their reputation that comes with that. For example, I don't know what is the situation, but let's say you are trying to um, get some kind of recognizing in in the school and you're starting this degree well you have to keep going there or, or you won't get the degree right so you have to keep interacting with that teacher or that student or that person that is not very pleasant to interact with so you can recognize maybe i'm very attached to the outcome of this situation mm. right and then say, well, okay, because I really want to achieve this, I'm going to work around this and be with equanimity while I interact with these people. I know it's not going to last forever, but I will try to cultivate compassion, loving kindness for them, even if it's in silence from your cushion and, and kind of be non-reactive as possible, right? Anyways, Non-reactive means in the moment, kind of um, accept and just go. But then later, if you can talk and say, that's very good. If you can say, hey, I didn't like how you told me this. There's no reason, There's no, it's not fair, right? It's good to communicate your feelings, not just kind of receive mm -hmm. and, and let them just throw anything at you. So it's a process of learning yourself to detach from these uh, concerns, but at the same time, learn to communicate with others and trying to find that empathy and sending them, them loving kindness and compassion. Of course, if you don't need to be interacting with that person, then just kind of wish them well and take your distance and you don't need to be exposing to a toxic person too right 
So it depends on each specific case, but don't think, oh, I got angry, that's very bad. No, like if you got angry and you throw things at that person, well, yeah, you should feel bad because maybe you hurt the person, right? Or you said something uh, like insults, like very aggressive, then you should worry maybe as for an apology. But if you just feel the emotion in the moment, and maybe you remain silent or you say, well, I don't think this is fair. I'm going out for a walk or see you later. In that moment, the energy is there and you can transform it and see it's also empty. But use that energy to cultivate vividness, to focus in the present. You can use that energy in different ways creatively, right? So that's important to know that Uh, it's not just about being like plain and I don't feel anything. No, we will still feel things. But those feelings are also impermanent. You notice how they arise and maybe feel your experience for a moment or for a day and then they pass. And you let go of that too. Not get attached to only pleasurable feelings and reject the unpleasant feelings because then it becomes another pair of the eight worldly concerns when we only want to feel happy feelings nice feelings uh, then we get attached and then if we feel upset or sad or angry or fearful or all the other emotions we reject them no whatever arise in your experience allow it to arise observe it clearly see its nature let itself liberate And then it will have an impact on you. It will have a, um, an imprint. You, you won't cultivate that habit and all the consequences derived from it. Right? Mm. I guess the key is to not, not identify with whatever comes up, really. So neither the pleasant nor the unpleasant. Um, there's no need to grasp onto it. So. That's the tricky part though, it's not easy. <laughs> That's the tricky part, but also when they arise very strong, it's usually because we are grasping to one of these pair of concerns. So that's why it's good to know them very well and recognize, okay, if I feel so intensely about this, it's because maybe I'm giving too much importance to, to praise, or to a good reputation, or to pleasures or my possessions or whatever it is, right? So you can recognize there points that you are uh, grasping to and then say, okay, I have to work more with this, right? Yeah, it's it's interesting because um, I, I, I talk to a lot of people who are not practicing Dharma and don't know anything about this and I'm trying to kind of, you know, teach them these things as well and but also with friends a close friend who who says well how can I be happy if someone is constantly undermining me and you know and I'm trying to suggest that yeah you know as you said to me um, that there is a way you know you don't need to be unhappy because someone okay yeah if you can leave that situation then then maybe you should leave that situation if that's a constant you know pattern and it's making life really 
difficult and challenging and it's toxic as you said but there that sense that you can still be in some in a situation and not be unhappy because other people are not behaving in the right way is quite challenging to people especially when they don't have any dharma at all yeah it's quite challenging but um but you can counterintuitive you know it's counterintuitive to people right it's just like what are you saying <laughs> how can i be happy if you know this person is treating me like that yeah i think um even with dharma people remember that story of atisha the great master who had his cook that was very like always throwing him the plates and cooking very bad for him and and he was terrible with everybody and then the people at the monasteries would say why do you have this cook with you traveling always with him if he's so mean to you uh, you should fire him and get some there's so many people wanting to to be your assistant and being Uh, nice to you and he said no i will never get rid of him he's my my teacher of patience and so you can see people like that like an opportunity to do your practice and and like if i can learn to tolerate this person then i will become the more patient person in the world or like really transform and see it as an opportunity and wish that person to be free of their mental afflictions Of course it's not easy to explain to someone that doesn't practice dharma but you have to keep in mind even with dharma practitioners uh, these mental afflictions are still there because the fact that we practice doesn't mean that we have mastered it right i uh, i have friends even with my brother sometimes he tells me things that i'm like wow you're a dharma practitioner you tell me this right but It's okay, like when you're too close to a person, even if you practice Dharma, it's not like you have actualized it in yourself, mm. right? Still emotions arise and re reactions, but the point is you re you notice, you know, like Maria was sa saying, no? I know I get attached to these things. I know that, that there is an attachment there or an aversion there. And so that helps you a lot, because if you know it, then you can transform it. The problem is that many people that have never heard about this, they think really it's all coming from out there and there's nothing to do. And either you change your environment or you suffer. But they don't know there's a lot you can do with yourself. We know we can meditate, we can practice, we can cultivate all this um, mental states and really will be helpful for us and we also know we can just in silent wish this person to be free of those mental afflictions and that feels good for us because we're not wishing them bad we're wishing them to be free and the more we do it also something happens the person starts feeling it right so uh, it's difficult to give advice to someone who doesn't put the time into working with their minds because yeah. it's not about sitting, reflecting, connecting to your breath, really doing these meditations is what is going to help us. And we analyze and we come to the conclusion, but then we 
let it sink. We have to connect that understanding with our heart and really become part of us. Otherwise, no matter how much we uh, study and reflect and philosophize and debate, it's just going to be blaming outside and thinking we are right. But we are not doing that transformation. We're not learning to live with equanimity. So you can teach them some some uh, emotional management skills and, and meditation. And the same is not repressing emotions. It's mm. like talking, talking from a place of saying, hey, you're you're I don't accept this type of communication. It's violent. You're insulting me. I don't accept it, right? But then putting a limit and then working with your own emotion and then say, what need do I have to be in this environment? Why do I need to receive this? And if I have the need to be in that environment, what can I do to keep my equanimity in place, to practice patience, to transform that difficult situation into an opportunity to keep practicing and making progress in my path, right? Mm -hmm. We can always transform adversity into yeah. the so mm -hmm. Pat I don't know if you have a comment you have your microphone yeah I, I realize um, that I need to I need to work on being less concerned about what other people think of me um, other people's impression of me and it'd be something I, I mean I could never satisfy everybody anyway I know people who can't believe I run such an old car and they keep replacing theirs and they live this kind of immaculate life in their immaculate houses which is far from what I do and then on the other hand I got a new phone the other week and a friend of mine's going what was wrong with the old one and I think well actually nothing really I just suddenly bought one because it was about time I, I thought I did and I really shouldn't be concerned either way really I mean I should do what I want to do and 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 not think this person thinks, you know, Pat, you know, he's obviously not looking after him, not himself, but, you know, doesn't care what he drives, doesn't care that his house needs painting. And um, yeah, I need to, I need to work on, on, on being more relaxed with how I am and not how other people think I am or how I think other people think I am. Um, so, no, I think that's useful, useful meditation tonight. I'll try and put some effort into it. Thanks for sharing. And I think that you said something very important. And is that, like, since we're born, we kind of have people around telling us, this is right, this is wrong, you shouldn't do this, you should do that, right? It's like we, <laughs> we come to this world and there are all these rules and all this trying to put you in a box and and then uh, that happens like with neighbors we in the school in the work environment in the family where you you feel this constant um opinions of people kind of um what what is right and what is wrong and how should you behave and what things are correct or not they're saying and why aren't you doing what we're doing basically and yeah and that happens to everybody and sometimes there's a lot of pressure right if you try to fulfill everybody's expectations like 
like if you want everybody to love you and everybody to think good of you, it's impossible. So it's a lot of energy. And peop there's people that invest all their energy trying to satisfy those those um, opinions, and it's impossible. So I think it's a matter of knowing that the right thing is to live a virtuous ethical life and not to harm other sentient beings, right? But sometimes a person will say, well, you hurt, you harm me by not uh, painting your house or not driving the car I want. Well, that that's not right, okay? That's like uh, too much, like going to an extreme. But in order to like, we have some um, guidelines from from the Buddhist teachings, I don't know if you remember that that meditation where uh, we reflected on what actions we should avoid, like killing, stealing, lying, uh, slandering, and and uh, all these actions that really can harm others, right? Animals and people, and and then we have actions that are very ethical and create good karma and create a, a happy life, right? And is saying the truth, a protecting life is the opposite, right? So if we live by those guidelines, a virtuous ethical life, then all the other things are just inventions from our societies and our humans <laughs> that want to create like lifestyles and then criticize if this should be this way or that way. But I think we should learn to to drop that concern about what others think yeah. of you. Because it's too much energy and you're never going to make everybody agree and, and be happy with who you are and what you are. There's always someone that is going to criticize you or think you're not doing things right. But the important thing is how you feel in interiorly and you know that you wish everybody to be happy that you don't you don't follow that same thing they're doing right so of course if you see a relative a family member someone that is really like making something that is creating a lot of suffering for themselves like they're very addicted to something and maybe you can try tell them, hey, this is not right what you're doing and try helping them, but from compassion, from love, but not like uh, being criticizing them, how how is their hair or how they dress or all these things are not important, right? So in the same way, we don't like to others to do it to us. Also, we shouldn't do it to others. And then try to live in harmony as much as possible let others talk or do whatever they want and and just live a peaceful happy life listening to our hearts and what are our needs and not um just try to fulfill roles right and i think that's also part of a happy life when we don't give so much importance to this yeah. to the stereotypes right don't try and be like in the advert <laughs> right. Well, thank you very much for for this conversation, for this meditation. Uh, keep it in mind. And, and and lastly, I want to say that in the Buddhist tradition, there is this concept of cultivating renunciation, 
And sometimes people take it in the wrong way and say, well, renunciation is like, now I don't have any possessions. I cut all my relationships and I go to a cave, right? And some people do it and it's good for them. It's not to criticize that lifestyle can be very good, but renunciation is more related with uh, not pursuing these eight worldly concerns. And is it doesn't matter if you enjoy a good plate of food or a concert or a nice environment. If it if it comes to your life, enjoy it, right? The thing is, don't pursue these things obsessively and with attachment. And if you have them, don't protect them so much because anyways, they're going to live and they're impermanent. So is um, having this renunciation to living with attachment and aversion. Renunciation to, to, to continue cultivating the causes of suffering. That's why we want to quit, okay? And we want to live a life that is more according to genuine happiness. So thank you very much to, for joining me and see you next week. Thank you thank very much. You, Alma. Thank, thank you, Alma. Thank you. Thank you, everyone. Thank you, Alma. Thank you.